Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, fresh off of a weekend, I, what I can only assume is full of sin in Las Vegas and a bachelor <laughs> party, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, welcome back to, I guess, the East Coast for you, kind of the Midwest. What's Pennsylvania? Is it is it East Coast or Midwest? It's the West Coast of the East Coast, baby. <laughs> yeah, Las Vegas was great. I went uh, for my buddy Charlie's bachelor party, and we did, you know, tons of debaucherous stuff, like... Top golf, axe Ooh. throwing, and just played copious, copious amounts of poker. I saw a Twitter picture with some fat chip stacks for you, my friend. I did. I had I had some good sessions. I, I was I'm up on the weekend. Not many people go to Las Vegas and can say that they they made money while there. And I can say that for this trip at least. It's impressive. Thank you. Thank you. I had a blast. How I can only imagine your weekend was terrible. You were crying over not traveling for magic or poker. Mostly just feeling the sounds of summer slipping through mm. my fingers. This is the last week of freedom here, and then the old school year grind is coming back. But no, survived a week of band camp and have had a relaxing weekend. Love to see it. And there was something else very exciting this weekend. The reason that we're here recording on a Monday night, usually if I was traveling, we try and get an episode in, you know, we were going to record Thursday night. So be ready for you folks in our normal Monday release. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. We got off the line last week and we we're like, I think we got to do the PT draft. We got to follow up our takes on our prep and see how they would have panned out for the featured drafters. Oh, the pro tour was insanely good. The drafts were great. But Constructed was incredible. I watched, a, I watched a lot of Constructed this weekend. Who are you? I mean, the Modern was calling me. I was rooting for Calc, you know. There were some sweet matches in the top eight. Definitely cool to see Christian Calcano get to the finals. So I guess you're a big Tron fan, huh? Well, I the decks were all like largely new to me. I had never mm. seen Rakdos Scam in action. Tron with the one ring looked like I got a big boost there. Why do you know why it's called Rakdos Scam? Because they cheat. Do you see? They evoke yeah, yeah. things into play and then feign death. Like so you're just, just scamming wins. Okay, okay. That's, that's gotta like, be why, right? But like scam equals cheat. Like many magic decks in the history of the game have been about cheating things into play, cheating on, you know, like scamming your opponent. But all all this deck does is scam. Yeah. Like you evoke okay. the things, or you thought sees, like you're just trying to buy a win like any way you can early in the game. Well, they, maybe Rector Scam seemed like it wanted the game to be over, like on turn two or turn three to me. Yeah, like o over in the, uh, maybe not the literal sense, but in the like, you know, basically what the heck are you going to do about this? Yes, basically everything relevant has already happened. Yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. No, it, was, uh, it was fun to watch watch those decks in action for sure. I think that's that's going to bring me to, I've got some some venting to do, Ben. I oh? Think it's, it's a, yeah, I've got some venting about the PT. We're going to talk about the drafts. I think the drafts were sweet. Well, I, I also have some <laughs> got some notes about the, some picks that were made from my armchair I here. I can't wait. I've got some takes, but I've got I actually have some takes about the broadcast this weekend, which I didn't I wasn't able to catch a ton of. But like, I am very curious who Watsy or whoever is running this broadcast thinks their audience is. Because I feel like they want to have their cake and eat it too, in, in a sense of like, they want to cater to both older and newer players with these broadcasts. And I feel like it gets muddy when they do that. Yeah, I think it's very difficult to appeal to both audiences. I mean, anything you're doing for newer players is going to be old hat for older and franchised folks. But anything you're doing that skips over that stuff alienates newer viewers. It's definitely hard to cater to both audiences, which is something I think our podcast does really well is we know our audience like we made a podcast for us, right? Right. Like that, that was the mission statement of our podcast. Yes. And yeah. <laughs> so I do I do think there's we we sort of expect a level of you know, familiarity, competency, whatever you want to call it when you tune into our show. And I wish that wizards would lean into that with the broadcasts of the pro tour. Like I, I think I wish that the limited portion felt a little bit more leveled up. We have the best players in the world competing, playing a limited format. I don't think we should be talking about things in such simplistic terms of like the blue white deck is the draw two humans deck. And like, 
they're going to need to find some removal this pack. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, they are. What else are we talking about here? Like, there, I feel like you and I could go to time every pick dissecting the like what it, uh, the implications of this and that. And I, because, and I know that Paul and Cedric, who are calling the drafts this could weekend, could do that also, right? I, exactly. I that's why I I know that they can do that. I know that they are good, excellent drafters. Have ton to say about limited. So there must be some sort of reins being put on them, is all I can imagine. And I don't know why that is. Yeah, that's tough to say. I mean, I certainly think the draft portion, like limited, has not been a huge draw, regardless. Right. It seems like the the coverage great saga about limited has been that it doesn't get as much eyeballs as constructed, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe try gearing it towards right. you and I and maybe maybe that'll get eyeballs up. Maybe not. Who knows? But at least you and I would have more fun. That's all we can have right? so much more fun. <laughs> I just like there's just so many confusing things. So the reason I brought it up is like, you know, they like literally I've never heard anyone refer to this deck, the winning deck at the Pro Tour as anything other than Rakdos scam. What did they call it on the broadcast? Rakdos evoke. You got to keep it. You got to keep it. What? Uh, what have I don't know what the word exactly. is. There's no, because there isn't any <laughs> word. What's the point? The entire player base is referring to a deck as Rakdos scam. Why aren't you calling it that? That's so confusing. Clarity and like deck searching and deck logging, right? That's why things aren't allowed to be called like bug or I don't know, Cheerios or whatever. So bug, like I think it's fine to have standardized names for color pairs and wedges and shards. I think that's fine. Or like cephalid breakfast or whatever. They want they want it to like say something about the deck. They want the deck name to be. Oh yeah, because Jeskai mid range really really what's the appetite? Ooh, like <laughs> mm, what's that deck about? That sounds fun. Like I feel like it has to be purposeful because it's so against the grain of what I hear, and yet I don't know what that purpose is. It's like. Oh, scam is a bad word or something. And like, we can't have that. Like, what? I don't know. Why wasn't the 8-0 player going into day two the featured drafter on day two? Kai Buddha is like a legend. I mean, right. he sh- that he should have 8-0 day one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not like I said, I said this on Twitter. No slight to Kai. I'm very happy to get to see him draft. That feels very confusing to me about like trying to tell a narrative of a tournament i hear that so how would you feel let me ask you this oh there it is what if kai is lsv and lsv is 7-1 do you think they should feature lsv or still simon i think they should i think i think the 8-0 player should be featured because that i I mean, I know who simon nielsen is but in the past i you know whoever's the 8-0 player i don't know who that person is but i then that's the person i'm excited about Going into day two. So I'd like to see them draft. I also think it like it you want to highlight newer players like that. Like you want people to get excited about people other than the six people who have been good at magic for the past 25 years. I I would want to watch LSV draft personally, like in that spot. Not not to like completely like get in the way of your head of steam here but uh, i mean that you're you're like welcome to your bad opinion and again like <laughs> no, like i obviously would love to watch lsv draft on day two as well but it just it's confusing to me i hear what you're saying about like the telling uh telling a, a story arc and all that i hear yeah it. yeah i just think if, if lsv wants that camera time you should have tried harder on day one <laughs> Wow, can we not do that? Can we not put that on the world? No, no, no good. And then the rest of my takes are largely about the drafts, which we are going to get into today. We're going to look at Nathan Sawyer's day one draft. We're going to look at Kai Buddha's day two draft. Man, RIP backup drafts. Didn't wasn't it the didn't we have four feature drafts at just the last time we did this? We did have four feature drafts the last time we did this, as well as I really miss the around the table segment. Where like you take a look at the whole table and they go yeah. through like the first three picks of each drafter to kind of see how everything got put into motion. I definitely miss that segment. And the draft viewers. We used to be able to just go look at draft viewers for a whole table. <laughs> Man. <laughs> we're going backwards. We're going backwards. That's what I feel like. But we're going to cling to what we do have, which is some housekeeping and then these main drafts. So first things first, Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where you can go to support these 
armchair quarterbacks. What's the name for <laughs> what's the name for magic? Just like kitchen table kitchen table drafters. Drafters, whatever we are. You know, the non-pros of the world just like ripping into everything. It's really I, I, it's just me. At Lord Tupperware. Yeah, like you, to, ben is like to distance myself from this conversation. Ben is Ben has made his takes known and they are not in agreement with me being all steamed up here on this Monday night. But patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose. Of course, the show will always be free, but we got some great perks over at the Patreon page. Access to the Lords of Limited Discord is what everybody gets, and no matter what level they give back to the show at. So you can join the Discord, hop on in, at Lord Tupperware, tell me how you feel about my rant, at Mr. Metronome, tell him you feel sorry for having to listen to my rant. (laughs) Whatever you want to do in the Discord, it's hopping, it's popping, 24-7 limited tech support. We've got the Arena Cube coming back this summer, Ben, and that is what the Arena Open is going to be for the month of August. You, you feeling about you that? You feeling some 2K cash coming your way? I'm feeling. I know. I already know what I'm doing, baby. Forcing black sacrifice. No, 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 no. I'm forcing oh. the black sacrifice deck. Okay, that's what got me. I got 500 bucks last time they did the arena cube open with that strategy, and that's what I'm going to be doing again this time around. People don't respect the blood artist life in that cube. But uh, that's going to be something that you're going to want to get in on the Discord for access to talking about qualifying for day one, asking people what strategies are working for them, all that good stuff. Moving up the reward tier ranks on the Patreon page, you can get access to our show notes, access to the episode a day in advance, and even access to monthly coaching sessions from me or Ben. So if any of all of that sounds of interest to you, please head on over to the Patreon page. And we want to welcome our new patrons of the first week that they joined. So this week, we're welcoming Tubby Cat, Sage, Frank, Andy, Moose, and Vending Vega. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Cannot say thank you enough. Show is also brought to you by CoolStuffInc.com, where they've got cool stuff in stock. And this week, it is not a draft booster box to store in your closet. We've got an online exclusive coupon, folks. So if you are in the Gen Con mood and maybe headed to Gen Con, it's in my backyard, kind of two and a half hours away, Indianapolis. Oh my but, gosh. Uh, if you're going to Gen Con, show off this online coupons on their Twitter. And you can get a $5 bonus when you sell $75 or more in cards or minis to their booth. You can also save $5 when you pick up the exclusive CoolStuffInc.com Gen Con 2023 playmat. So if you're headed to Gen Con, check out all this sweet stuff on CoolStuffInc's Twitter. And for anything that you're getting at CoolStuffInc.com, be sure to use code LOL, all caps, to get 5% off anything in the store when you place your order. I, I, I'm a simple man. I just say coupon. I just love I love the little the little English you put on it. The cu- why, why, a, what did I say? It's a coupon. <laughs> That's how you say the word. <laughs> coupon. Yeah, coupon. Not a coupon, <laughs> but a coupon. That's how it's pronounced. <laughs> no. We'll start. We'll do a Twitter poll. We'll see see what folks say about coupon versus coupon. I'm not saying what you're saying is wrong. I'm just saying it's different than how I say it. Let's be clear. <laughs> yeah. So before we dive into um these drafts pick by pick we'll probably do mostly pack one and then sort of wrap things up a little bit later what were your overall thoughts viewing the drafts the rounds of limited and seeing any of the the data collected about what went well and what didn't maybe go well for folks based on the sort of quote-unquote prep we did last week Ooh, that was like several questions in one there let me tackle it a little bit i would say watching the drafts i think felt similar to you in that I largely agreed with Nathan's draft, and I'm sure we're going to get into this, but disagreed with a few picks. And then Kai's draft would have done something totally different on his day two draft. But I feel largely good about the strategy we would have had going in. I think the one tweak I would make to our strategy is I think I would be less willing to be green. I think I would really want to. I think I would want to be forced to be green. But other than that, like the whole not get married to black too easily. I I feel good about that take going into the PT. Yeah, I wish I had done this prior to us recording last week, but timing just didn't work out. But so I I went and helped uh, uh, a friend of mine or like a a Twitch friend of mine, fellow streamer, uh, a guy I've met in person, uh, Thomas Gunn, who was playing in the in the Pro Tour. So I sort of organized a draft pod for him in Pittsburgh and do a little paper prep, a little timed prep like that. Um, And happy to report, though, his limited rounds didn't go super well. He did 10-6 
took requeue for the next PT, which is oh, awesome. Oh, snap. So, also got out. some camera time. I saw an interview that he was oh, on. Did he really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Good for him. So, but I did this, this practice draft where I ended up drafting blue, black, splash red for a couple cards. I think Amor and uh, Sauron. And I got a pack one, pick eight Frodo. And I Ooh. sort of like sort of a detailed this draft out on Twitter a little bit about like the the points that or the the inflection points in the draft that I thought were interesting. And it was Frodo versus a stern scolding. And I had sort of I was sort of bopping around between like, am I going to be I knew I was going to be black. Um, I had like sort of carved that out and then got a pick six, I think, claim the precious. I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And then it was stern scolding versus Frodo. And I was like, oh, no, I don't have it in me. <laughs> To like abandon ship for Frodo here. Um, for Frodo. And that is a lot different than how I felt recording our episode last week. And then even in pack two, there was Aragorn, the green, white rare. That's very, very good. And then two uh, Legolas's, the one for reach. That's really good with fight spells and, you know, spells that target your creatures, your opponent's creatures, etc. And I just don't think the goods were there for that deck, even with all of those rares open even with frodo going so late i felt i was like oh a lot has to go right that isn't in your control for this deck to come together so i think i agree with you i would have also been much less willing to be green well and some of that too i think we have talked about this a little bit in private or on discord is you kind of poo-pooed my saying there were differences in pod yeah, play yeah. a little bit but like that also stands to reason that if you're the taking the green white card it's like other people are getting to play with the Grixis cards, which is mm -hmm. not ideal for you, certainly, unless like everybody cannibalizes themselves in those Grixis decks. So certainly not to say that you couldn't be green white and it wouldn't be right to be green white, but that like it is a little bit riskier of a proposition than it is on Arena. There was one thing, and I'm sure there's more like this, so I really do have to to backtrack my like, oh, it's all the same and pod drafts <laughs> aren't different. Like I because another thing that I realized in pod, because Thomas ended up, he was a big fan of drafting blue red. He ended up in a blue red deck. And I think he had two, maybe three glorious gales. And I was like, oh, glorious gale gets way better in pod when you're taking them as the blue red drafter. Because the decks that glorious gale is very bad against is like blue red five creatures. But against other decks, it's pretty dang good. And when you're the blue red drafter and you're the five creature deck, everybody else has a lot of a lot more creatures. So glory scale gets a lot better. And there's probably more things like that that I didn't think about. So there's just a little bit more layers to this prep that you know we'll, we'll carry over. We got a lot of good feedback about that style of episode. And we, of course, really enjoyed preparing for it. So I think that'll be a staple moving forward. So next time I, I'll have to do some more stewing and brewing about what differences actually happen for for in pod play yeah sounds sweet so we've got some data here i think before we dive into these two drafts so if you have not seen this posted on twitter they they give the stats for which decks 3-0'd the first day so 32 players went 3-0 in their first draft and here's the breakdown of the archetypes coming out on top black red trophied six times a close second, white, black, trophied five times. And there's kind of a grouping of different things with three trophies, white, blue, white, red, blue, red, and Grixis. I think all of those making total sense to me. And then moving down a little bit into some more maybe niche decks, a blue, black at two, That's that would be unexpected. I would have thought blue, black would have performed a little better than that. Mm -hmm. But again, there's so many factors that go into this stuff that it's largely irrelevant, I think. Yeah. And then Abzan, again, green decks with two trophies. And then kind of all of these, all of these are just green in my mind. Abzan with two, Jund one, Bant one, four color one, five color one. You could basically just say green. Had, green decks. Yes, yeah. green decks had seven trophies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was that surprising to you at all? Did that make you think differently about your, your prep at all? It, it, it didn't really surprise me that much. Slash, I'm not sure what to make of this information. I don't think this this tells me very much. I agree. I think some people's takeaway from this, from looking at our Discord or what I saw on Twitter, was that like, oh, it makes sense. Black's awesome. Everybody should be trying to draft black. But that's not really what I see here looking at this. Again, I'm not a statistician, nor am I interested in stats, even laughing at me here savagely. <laughs> but I will say my takeaway from this was, yeah, that looks about right. Yes. Like, based on the color imbalance, that's what I would expect. Like, things to trophy based on how much people should be drafting them and how 
likely some of the underrepresented color pairs are to trophy. Like all of it largely checked out with me. Yeah, I would have like I would have expected blue red maybe have four instead of three, blue black have three instead of two, and then like black white have three instead of five. So maybe some tweaks. But overall, I'm not surprised by this distribution at all. And it doesn't make me want to go after black no. any harder because I'm sure there were also lots of black dumpster fires as right. well. Hey, right. How many people tried to get in? <clears throat> I mean, I, yeah, we'll see one of those decks perhaps in uh, in these <laughs> logs that we're review- reviewing today. But like how many people tried to get into black when they shouldn't have or tried to get into black when it wasn't viable or when they didn't have the good reasons to do so? You know, yeah, I think uh, I think I'm not surprised. Like black is very powerful it was represented in whatever 18 of these 32 3 decks but I, I don't think that changes much for how i felt about going into this weekend but that is also about its weight in terms of color imbalance right like that's what i feel yes i think that's representative of the power distribution of colors in the set yeah all right let's get to it so nathan stoyer day one draft you sick and tired of watching this guy draft yet not at all not at all i was I was borderline blown away by this draft. I was I watched it pretty early, not quite live. You were joking about, am I going to set my alarm for four uh, when we talked last week? Not quite, but I did watch it pretty dang early. And I was like bleary eyed at the airport waiting to go to Vegas watching this draft. I was like, oh, this is this is like some next level brilliance. All right, you ready to you ready to get to this pack one? I am. Let's do it. Okay, so pack one, pick one. Nathan sees the following cards. He's got a Nazgul. That's two and a black for the one, two with death touch. When it comes into play, the ring tempts you. And whenever the ring tempts you, it gets a plus plus one counter. Rare in the pack is Mary Esquire of Rohan, red, white for a two, two with haste. Mary has first strike as long as it's equipped. And whenever you attack with Mary and another legendary creature, you draw a card. There's a Ranger's Firebrand, single red for an uncommon sorcery deal two and deal two to any target and the ring tempts you. Birthday Escape, single blue sorcery, draw a card, ring tempts you, and Maneldor, swift savior, the three and a blue, three, three flying legendary. Uh, when it deals damage to an opponent, you can blink a creature you control. Yeah, I think this quickly comes down to Birthday Escape versus Nazgul. And I, I think, honestly, you could, what, Ethan is shaking his head no? How do you, Ranger's Firebrand has to be in that conversation, and Ranger's Firebrand, for me, is ahead of Birthday Escape. Oh, it's not for me. Okay. Not well. not particularly close because birthday escape you can fire off at any time. Ranger's Firebrand doesn't always have targets. Like the attempt replacing itself, I think, is better. Okay. I but don't. that's not what I, we're here to debate. Well, <laughs> I mean, how much time you got? <laughs> so I, I think since I am in the Nathan Stoyer scene, uh-huh. Uh-huh. It comes down to birthday escape versus Nazgul pretty quickly. And I, I think Nazgul is the quote unquote correct pick, but I think if you really like blue and you really want to dip away from black. Certainly fine to start with Burst Escape, and I think you could maybe even make a case for Ranger's Firebrand, but less so for that for me. Okay, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think I would take Nazgul here and already feeling a little like, hmm, feelers up, like, am I going to get trapped here? What's going on with taking a black card first? But I would take the Nazgul here. I, I also would, but I would not be happy about it. I think I would prefer my draft to start with a guilt-free blue or red card. All right, pack one, pick two. We'll try and do these in a rarity order this time. So there's a birthday escape in the pack, as well as a lash of the Balrog, single black as an additional cost to cast it, sack a creature or pay four to destroy target creature. Torment of Gollum as well, three and a black for the sorcery. Look at target player's hand. Uh, you get to take a non-land card out of it, put it into their graveyard and amass two. Uncommons, there's a Rise of the Witch King, two black green for the sorcery. Each player sacrifices a creature. If you did that, you can return another target permanent from your graveyard to the battlefield. And a rare sale in the pack, Moria Marauder, red red for a 1-1 double strike. Whenever a goblin or orc you control deals combat damage to a player, exile the top card of your library, you may play that card this turn. Very curious to hear about what you would have done here. I think this pick comes down to, very quickly, Torment of Gollum versus Moria Marauder. And I think if you're wanting to fight for black, I think you take Torment of Gollum. And I think if you don't want to fight for black, you take Moria Marauder. But the the beauty of the Moria Marauder pick here, and I think that is what I would like to think I would have taken... It's it's tempting to say I'm going to take Torment of Gollum and hold on for dear life, but I think that's unnecessarily risky because if black's open, you can still draft black red like with mm-hmm. Marauder here. Like you're not missing out on that much. Torment's very good, but it's not 
essential to the black decks working, I don't think, because the, the four drops get so clogged and Torment is a very good four drop, but there are also a lot of other very right. good four drops. So Moira Marauder lets you play potentially the best color pair ostensibly in red black and also gives you an awesome pivot into blue red, which is the archetype you prefer to draft and and any red deck. Honestly, Moira Marauder is just a house. I think it is the best card in the pack, and I don't think there's any reason to get married to black. Like you're taking a pretty significant hit in power level to take Torment of Gollum here over Moria Marauder. So I, I like the Moria Marauder pick. I think on my own, I would have taken Torment of Gollum. Uh, my hope is that if I were like with a testing team or in a testing house, that like doing that sort of limited meeting, deciding where Moria Marauder is on that like playing field of like rankings of stuff that I, when I'm assuming this is what happened with, with Nathan, either he's had enough uh, experience with the card himself or team handshake has, and they have a good assessment of it. Cause in my mind, I'm like, good, not great or great, not great, not busted. Like I, I like the card, but it being an X one and it being red, red, I think those are like knocks against it or whatever. And so I, I don't know where I would have like for myself, as I said, I think I would have taken torment based on my own experiences. But if I was in a room of, you know, Ben's and other people that I trusted and they were like, no, Moria Marauder's great, better than whatever. And we put it somewhere, then I would just trust that ranking, which I assume either Nathan just feels it's busted or trusted his own team's prep in that sense and took it. And so uh, I would like to think that's where I landed as well. Um, but yeah, that that's uh, that's what Nathan took. So he takes the Marauder here. Moving on to pick three, he's got three options here. At common, there's an Easterling Vanguard to keep black alive as a one on a black for the 2-1. When it dies, you amass orcs one. And then two uncommons to talk about friendly rivalry. That's the red-green uh, bite spell. You know, choose a creature you control and then an up to one legendary creature you control. They each deal damage equal to their power to a creature you don't control. And Faramir Field Commander, three and a white for a 3-3 three, three legendary. Uh, whenever the ring tempts you, as long as you choose a creature other than Faramir uh, to be your ring bearer, you make a 1-1 one, one human soldier. And at the beginning of your end step, if a creature died under your control this turn, you draw a card. What would you have done here? I would not have made the Nathan Stoyer pick, which was Faramir Field Commander. So uh -huh. I would have taken Easterling Vanguard here to yeah. go with Nazgul and Moria Marauder. And I, I don't think that is right necessarily. And Faramir certainly ends up working out better for Nathan. I, I'm, I would be curious to see what was going on in his head if he if he clocked the the red, white, Mary pack one and like thought maybe it could wheel and so wanted to steer towards that. That would be my guess. But I, I would have taken Easterling Vanguard and thought, look, you know, I'm going to dip my feelers into black. And if it dries up, I'll move off after this. Mm -hmm. But I would have taken Easterling Vanguard here to try to pair with my Nazgul and have a good blood red, black red curve going. Yeah, and I think this is such an interesting start to a draft in this format in general, but also based on what we were talking about last week about the sort of game of chicken with black, what things are worth playing that game for, etc. Because in the moment, I was like, I would feel pretty good. Nazgul into Torment into Vanguard. I'm staking a claim for black. I like all three of these cards. Seems pretty good. As soon as Nathan took Faramir, that, that's what I thought was that he was like, I'm going to wheel Mary from pack one because that card isn't very good, but I've now got another legendary for it and I'm going to get myself into red white. Yeah, and I think that's a pretty brilliant thing. Like it kind of blew me away that that's what he was thinking about here. Yeah, I think it's great. And certainly like once you pass the torment, like I think you're a lot less willing to fight for the Nazgul once you pass the torment. So yes, I, I like the pick. I mean, I don't think I would have made it, but no. I think I would have made a probably a worse pick. Yeah, I, I agree. And then what happens before the wheel is wild. Just in insane. Pack. So back when pick four, there's a protector of Gondor, the three and a white three, three, make a one, one. There's a goblin fire leaper, the one and a red one, one with the one and a red get plus and plus slow until end of turn. And when it dies, deals uh, damage equal to its power to target creature. But then the rare is still in the pack. And the rare is Mary Esquire of Rohan, the same rare he saw in pack one. Yeah, that is awesome because then you're thinking, oh, snap, like I really could wheel that and have two of these. Yes, which really makes your deck consistent. It's not like they go well together, right? Because they're legendary. You can't have them in play together, but it does make your deck pretty dang consistent. Now, pick five, as we talked about, most of what Nathan does in this draft, I love. And, and I also don't think I would have been on this track. Like I would have gone black card, black card, black card, and then been sad <laughs> and not because because black dries up 
instantly. Yeah. Four picks in, black dries up really hard. Yeah. And so you would sort of be up a creek without a paddle and trying to like scrap and figure out what you're supposed to do. I mean, maybe you still take the red, white Mary, think the 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 Mary wheels from pack one and you can do that. But then you've passed up on Marauder and potentially Faramir. So anyway, that's why I think it's so important to pick the Moria Marauder yes. pick too, because it, it gives you like a good feeling about pivoting off of black instead yes. of, oh, God, I have to hold on to black even when I know I'm not supposed to. Mm-hmm. Which I think was is such an important reason for again you don't have to have the full set in your mind for what you're taking. But you know we got we had a, a little bit of pushback in our Discord last week about Torment of Gollum not being on our lists, and you and I had, had both sort of come up with the same reasoning separately of like I only feel like I have room for so many black commons on my list because I don't want to be fighting over black for its whatever fourth or fifth best commons. Yes, we came to the list with the same philosophy without having discussed the philosophy yeah. beforehand, which is also, the, I guess, maybe the Lords of Limited Echo Chamber. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, our thinking of like why we had, you know, folks were talking about when I was thinking about swapping Rally and Smite when they were at number one and number six on my list, like why? Well, if you think Rally is great or better than Smite, why wouldn't that just put rally at number one and then smite at number two. And I was like, because I only want to have one red and one black card ahead of the lump of blue cards that I want. Because I like, they're so good. Like Rally and Dunlin Crabane are so good. I cannot deny their power and their colors power level, but I also can't deny their popularity. And so I'm going to put them on that list, but I'm not like the, the mark of me putting whatever birthday escape, Lorian revealed and Pelagir survivor as my hot take ahead of claim the precious as you push back against me on last week was not a nod to the, the cards power level, right? It wasn't the list of the top 10 commons that we thought were the most powerful. It was the list of the top 10 commons we wanted to draft, right? Like we weighted our list to try to reflect the decks we wanted to get into, like to give ourselves the best chance to get into those archetypes. Correct. Okay, so he gets this the second, or he gets this first Mary with eyes on the prize of wheeling the second one from his first pack. Pick five. Uh, he's got a banish from Edoras. That's the five mana sorcery uh, exile thing in white. Costs two less if it targets a tapped creature. There's a relentless Rohirrim. That's the three and a red four three. When it ETBs, the ring tempts you. The Eagles of the North. That's the the three three flyer plane cycler. Battle scarred goblin. The one and a red two two. When it's blocked, it deals damage to each creature blocking it. There's a Butterbur. That's the green white three three that makes a food on your end step if you don't have any food. And Arwen, the blue green uh, two two. Whenever you scry, you put a counter on something and you can pay six to scry two. Yeah, this is the first pick I would disagree with Nathan and feel pretty confident that I'm right in my disagreement, <laughs> regard, regardless of him being the reigning world champ and all that. Like, yeah, again, yeah. disclaimer, like I am but a pleb drafter and enjoy magic very much. But I feel pretty confident that Relentless Rohirrim is the correct pick here. Yeah. You just want tempting so badly. It's a human for the red, white humans deck. Eagles of the North has been pretty consistently underwhelming to me in in red, white, especially because you really don't even want to hit your sixth land drop a lot of times in that deck. So yeah, I, I would take Relentless Rohirrim here and I think push back against Eagles of the North as the pick. I agree. Pick six. He sees a Quarrel's End, two in a red for the sorcery as an additional cost to cast it, discard a card, draw two, make a 1-1 one, one human. East Farthing Farmer, the three mana, two, three in white that makes a food and then gives something plus one, plus one until end of turn for all the food you control. Mordor Trebuchet is the only black card in the pack here. It's also a card. I hate this card. It's so bad. <laughs> Anytime... I get a deck tech or get tagged and what's the cut or whatever. And I see this card in the pack. I've never left it in. I, I'm just like, get this thing out of here. I I did a deck tech on stream one time where somebody had tried to build around Mordor Trebuchet Ugluk. Like the the four, the four mana rare. Yeah, that yeah, when yeah. you sack a thing, gets a plus one, plus one counter. They were going to like get the, the flyers from the Trebuchet and have those die and pump their Ugluks. And I was like, I- I'm really sorry, but <laughs> you shouldn't you shouldn't play any of these cards if you want to maximize your win rate. Like you should just scrap that whole play in and play all these other cards. But if you want to have fun with this thing, like don't let me yuck your yum. But this yeah. is this is not a good plan. So so moving off of Black Seaman, great here. So the Quarrels End and the Farmer there, as well as in the uncommon slot, there's a reprieve. One in a white instant, return target spell to its owner's hand, draw a card. Yeah, I think. 
for me, this is a, a pretty clear Corals end again as the pick. I, I would disagree with Nathan's pick here. And again, I would I would think I was right in my disagreement. Although I will say I watched Nathan's rounds and he wrecked people with reprieve over and over and over. It was very good for him. Yeah, I mean, he he does end up with, I believe, three copies of it by the end of the draft. And I'm not sure. I think I may have I maybe would have taken one of them because I'm one. Yeah, I'm with you here on Quarles. And I believe this is the second of three picks. I basically I've been like, go pick for pick with Nathan, even though, you know, in in the in time, <laughs> I wouldn't have like pick two, pick three. I would have made different picks, I think poorly like i really love the picks that he's made and then with you know hindsight 2020 glasses i still feel like okay i disagree with this pick um but disagree so with so few things that he did in this draft and really really blown away by so much that he did do which uh, honestly to add to that list is getting past another mary esquire of rohan pack one pick seven and if, you, if you're nathan at this point all you're thinking is please let me wheel the first one please let me wheel the first one that would be all i could think about <laughs> And and why is that what you're so focused on? Because like I think to some people they would go, why do you need the third one to wheel? You have two already. It's not that, that good. That to would have just three. mean like no one's in your business, and you're just on easy street like the whole rest of the draft. Yes. Yeah. And I I think also an interesting thing. You know, we've talked about different paths through this. I think I would have taken a different path than Nathan, and ended up still pivoting to red white just like a less good version of red white because i would have done it a little later than him like i would have gone nazgul marauder vanguard and then i probably would have taken goblin fire leaper over the red white mary pick four and then like taking relentless rohirrim taking corals and be on track for red black and then i probably would have specced on the red you white take mary, pick seven and then wheel the other one pick nine and like probably move into red white there but then i I'm also risking much more than Nathan did creating another red white drafter downstream for me. Well, and risk it or not, whether you're you or Nathan in the seat, it happens, right? His first opponent, I was shocked that his round one <laughs> opponent was also in red white. I was like, how is this? I mean, I guess they do like big X, little X. So the person was literally across the table from him, but that's tough. And I do think Nathan definitely got not only the better of his opponent in the match, but I think definitely got the better of him in the draft as well. Like it just looked like, you know, every card in uh, his opponent's deck seemed like it was basically a notch below the card quality that Nathan had. Yeah, for sure. Um, So he rounds out the pack with the pick seven, Mary pick eight Esquire of the King. And then pick nine, Mary Esquire of Rohan number three, get in the pile. Well, and after that, pick 10, Rohirrim Lancer wield, mm-hmm. which is also just like, yes, I am on the right path. Like, just blinders on at this blinders. point. Like, there, there is no way you're getting pushed off this. Yeah. And I would say other than maybe the pack's not quite breaking particularly well at some points, like Nathan just sort of checks the boxes, right? Gets some removal this pack. He gets a smite the deathless. He gets some good go wide payoffs. Pick three book of Mazerbol is awesome for him. The other like nitpicky pick. And I, I mused about this on Twitter a little bit. I'm curious your thoughts. Uh, he takes another reprieve over Rohirrim Lancer and Relentless Rohirrim. And he passed on Rohirrim Lancer a couple times in this draft where I would have taken it. And I yeah. wonder if, as you were talking about last week of like X1s are a liability in best of three a little bit. I wonder if that was perhaps a stance the team handshake had. Yeah, it would be interesting to get some insight into that. Potentially, I would have, like you said, taken Rohirrim Lancer over Reprieve here. Or if you don't like Rohirrim Lancer because you think it's underperforming, mm-hmm. it's a 1-1 one, one menace, like not impactful enough, whatever. I still think then Relentless Rohirrim as another 4-3 Tempt body is better than Reprieve. I just think Tempt is irreplaceable, especially in red-white. Yeah, well, And especially in pod play because it's a zero-sum game right the more ring tempting you have you're right i mean the more <laughs> ring tempting you have then then you, you gotta watch this on youtube folks i don't know what to tell you you're getting some good some good gestures here from mr Werney. the neo come at me bro that's right 
But I do think that the more tempting you have, that means the less tempting your opponents are going to have are going to have access to drafting. And he gets some gas in pack three, right? Urken Brand, Lord of Westfall is a human lord. Foray of Orcs is a little flame tongue Kavu variant. And That's another pick where I would disagree. He had a choice pack three pick two between Smite the Deathless and oh, yeah, Foray yeah. of Orcs. I would have taken Smite the Deathless. But again, in the games, Foray was absolutely excellent for him. Interesting. So did that after watching the games were you like, man, maybe he knows something I don't No, I still would take Smite the Deathless, but <laughs> he wonder, was in spots where Foray was awesome. I also wonder if because this happens to me sometimes when I'm doing the like I would have done this thing, you start to like mentally slot those into your deck. So if you're thinking, well, I already have two Relentless Rohirrims in my deck, like my four drop slots getting pretty full. But his actually isn't, right? Because he doesn't have those cards. That's true, yeah. Yeah. And then just Chef's Kiss, pack three, pick eight. Are you in the right deck? Are you in the right deck when you get a Shadowfax, Lord of Horses, pack three, pick eight? I think so. Gotta be feeling great. Yeah. I mean, I think it's not the deck that I would have wanted to end up in, as we talked about. Like, certainly, you definitely didn't want to end up in red-white. But, like, it's a pretty dang good-looking version of the deck. I think the deck looks better with less reprieves, though. Like, I mean, I I, I think those few picks that we disagree with, I do think make a difference in the overall ability of the decks, like aggressiveness and ability to put pressure on the opponent. Like reprieve leads to some really awkward draws. And while it was excellent in some spots for Nathan, it also was awkward a couple of times. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And like it's and this is it's basically it's best home i think but i don't think you want three of them i just think you want threats like every time you had the option to take this except for i guess the one but replace two of them with a lancer and a relentless rohirrim and you're a lot happier i think or at least i am personally yes i I would also but yeah deck is great but we're not the world champ we're also not the world champ so (laughs) nathan please uh, our our dms are open um if you want (laughs) to explain to us uh, why we're wrong. I'm, I'm sure sure we'll be open to it. What what happened with this deck? Weirdly, no one 3-0'd this pod. No one 3-0'd this pod. So he went 2-1, lost in the finals to Tyler Hatchell, who drew in round two. There was a draw to time. Oh, that's and so right. So no one 3-0'd the pod, which was okay. really weird. That is really weird. All right, that takes us onwards to day two of the German juggernaut, Kai <laughs> Buddha. And just a stacked draft pod here. Yeah. So to Kai's left, he's passing to Christian Calcano. He's passing to Kazune Kasaka, passing to Zachary Keane, passing to the PT champ, Jake Beardsley. Spoilers. Sorry. I think that's okay. (laughs) If you haven't watched now, what are you doing? Yeah. Passing to Greg Orange, passing to Simon Nielsen, passing to Martin Dominguez, then passing back to Kai Buda. Yeah, those are uh, those are some heavy hitters for sure. What's going on with Kai's draft? All right, pack one, pick one. You sit down and you see Sauron the Necromancer. That's three black black for the 4-4 four, four menace. And whenever it attacks, you can exile a creature card from your graveyard and create a 3-3 three, three copy of it with menace that is tapped and attacking. And if Sauron is tempted, that creature sticks around at the end of the turn. If not, you have to get rid of it. The rest of the pack is just absolutely unplayable so you take sauron the necromancer pack one pick one and it's it's not quite because i think nazgul is better than sauron it's not quite the same feeling of the start that i had for nathan's draft it's it's even slightly less i feel less of like a okay i want to try and be black i'm i honestly what i would be feeling right now is like looking for reasons to move off of black please push me off of black right now rest of the table Yeah, unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Pack one, pick two, you see the following cards as options. There's a Woes Pathfinder, the one green, one, one, Mana Dork. There's a Rohirrim Lancer, the one, one, Menace. A Nasty End, one in a black for the instant, sacrifice a creature as an additional cost to cast it. Uh, You draw two cards. If the creature is legendary, you draw three. There's a Grand the Gatebreaker, the five, five, Vehicle. A Generous End, the five, seven, Forest Land Cycler. And the rare in the pack, bearing the lead here, Smiggle Helpful Guide, one black green for the 4-2. It says at the beginning of your end step, if a creature died under your control this turn, the ring tempts you. 
Whenever the ring tempts you, target opponent reveals cards from the top of your library until they reveal a land card, put that card on the battlefield, tapped under your control, and the rest into their graveyard. I wonder what was taken over Smeagol. Like, very few cards. Smeagol was at the honorable mention for my Rares and Mythics top 10. Not quite. What was the what was the OLI? Outside OLI. looking in. There you go. Nailed it. So it was my, my 11th of the Rares and Mythics in the format. So not many, like Amor and Fearfire Foes I would have taken over it, but... Not a ton, and I'm thrilled to see it here. So I get the opposite of please push me off of black. Yeah, but now you're much more willing to like, okay, like I'll be black for these two cards together. Well, and either I will be black for these two cards or... I, this is the easiest of easy splashes in a green deck. Yes. And one of the better, like Frodo's still probably the best, but Smeagol's up there as one of the best legends to have in that multicolor green deck. Yes. So Kai agrees, take Smeagol helpful guide here. So you've got Sauron and Smeagol moving on to pack one, pick three, see the following cards as options. There's Prince Emerhill, the white-blue uncommon, the 2-2. Two, two, whenever you draw your second card each turn, it poops out a 1-1 one, one soldier token. There's also Urukai Berserker, the 2 and a black 3-2, two, and whenever ETBs, the ring tempts you. As well as Frodo Baggins, one green-white for the 1-3 when it ETBs, tempts you, and whenever another legendary enters the battlefield under your control, it tempts you, and Frodo must be blocked, if able, when it's your ring bear. I know I said I didn't take it in the pod draft pack one pick eight. I think think I would have taken it here. This is the dream spot to take it. It's so free, right? Because Urukai Berserker, you're like holding on to black for dear life. If you take it with with no options to pivot out, Frodo lets you play a green base and pivot off Sauron. Or if black is open, you just get to keep chugging down the black train and Mm -hmm. not worry about Frodo. The upside here, the opportunity cost is what this pick is about for me. And like pretty low cost to miss out on an Urukai Berserker for the flexibility that Frodo affords you over the course of the draft. I agree. And so I feel like the the, the difference in this pick is like in philosophy or evaluation or whatever, in that I assume Kai is giving more weight to Sauron and probably giving more weight to just getting into black in general. But like because there's also like the opportunity cost, I think you're you're right about to a point of like but there is, it's not a cost, but he does reap some non-zero percent benefit of truly cutting black from anyone on his left. Yes, I agree. Right? He really does get, to, he, he will get to, you know, send a clear signal that way that he will be read by people he knows are reading those signals. So there's something there, but I, I still think Berserker is too low. The other thing I would say to that is I don't know that that's as beneficial as it normally would be because black's good enough that if you're the sucker that's doing that for like the subpar black cards to just for the sake of I don't want to pass any black cards your neighbor can still then in pack two draft black for a pack and yeah. like reap all of the hard work that you did and then not draft it in pack three so I, I don't love that as a rationale yeah, no, I'm sold. I, I agree. Yeah, I I, I wish because I think Kai could have had a really good green based legends deck had he taken the Frodo here. And then the rest of the draft, I just I'm like, but what if you had? Oh, but but you could have because after you do this, you have to like make each pick based on what he actually has, and it's hard to do. I think if he doesn't well, make that jump. So moving on to pack one, pick four, with a Sauron, a Smeagol, and an Urukai Berserker, see the following cards as options. Commons, there's a Banish from Edoras, the four and a white exile target creature, cost two less to cast if the creature's tapped. There's a Haunt of the Dead Marshes, black for a 1-1, ETB scry one, and you can return it from the graveyard, tapped at any time if you control a legendary for two and a black. Oliphant, the Mountain Land Cycler, Pelagir Survivor, one and a blue for the 1-3 that taps for any color mana for spells and can mill your opponent. Lothlorien Lookout, the 1-3, and when it attacks, you scry one. And then Uncommons, there's a Council's Deliberation. That's the one and a blue draw card. And then when it's in your graveyard, if you scry, you can cast it for free to draw a card. And there's also Fiery Inscription here. Two and a red, ETB ring tempts you, and whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, deal two damage to your opponent. I, I mean, for me, I only have eyes for Inscription out of this pack. I agree. I was yelling at my computer. <laughs> I was like, ah, take the inscription. Like it's again, for me, this is about opportunity cost. Like my, my black decks maybe want to haunt of the marshes, probably want to haunt of the want- marshes, but, yeah. but I'm not crushed. Also, mm-hmm. if I don't have a haunt of the marshes in most of my black decks 
And Fire Inscription 4 is a, a big signal at the PT level, I think. Or people are misevaluating. Either way, I think you have a chance to capitalize on it. And I would be willing to, if red keeps flowing, jump ship on my first three picks here to draft a deck around Fire Inscription. I think it is that good. Fully co-signed with what you just said. So Kai does not gamble on the fiery inscription here he goes ops instead for the safer route of cutting black and takes a haunt of the dead marshes here moving on to pack one pick five and and i think that pick would be regardless of what was taken pack three right even if you take frodo you're still taking fiery inscription there right yeah and loving that as well feeling like okay i've got outs for like Right, you have options Everything. for like three or four powerful decks at this point. Correct. You you have a less clear direction through the draft, but you've gained a lot of power in the flexibility you're going to have in the draft. And because like one of the things that, like as we talked about last week, is like one of the things that blue-red needs and certainly one of the things that green-based deck needs are like the, the reasons for going into them. Well, Frodo is the best reason to do the Legends deck. And certainly after having Smeagol, that's awesome. But there's also a world where you can be just black-green and not worry about Frodo, as Ben said. And once you get Fire Inscription, well, then you have outs to red-blue spells, the deck that we wanted to get in the most. And that is another deck that like, once you have Inscription, I feel like all I need is commons. I've got my payoff already. Right, well, and I think two... The other thing that can happen to you on Arena in a spot like this, like if you're on Arena with Sauron and Smeagol and Frodo and Fiery Inscription, like you're just going to keep getting past packs with good cards. Mm. And so like you're ultimately going to have to like either waffle, which is what I always do all the time, or like choose your own direction ultimately. But I think at the PT level, like it's going to become clear which of these routes you're seeing the best cards for to go down. Right. Or in, in Kai's case, at least... He's going to see clearly which routes not to go down. <laughs> yes. So pack one, pick five. After taking Haunt of the Dead Martians here, you see the following cards as options. Significantly weaker packs now. Uh, there's another Haunt. There's another Banish from Edoras. Mushroom Watchdogs, the 2-2 that can eat food to get a plus one, plus one counter. Revive the Shire, the rebuy card in green. Isolation at Orthonk, three and a blue target creature. Goes into its owner's library second from the top. And then Alembas, the food token that shuffles itself back in. So for me, it's hard again. Like if you're Kai, I think even if you're Kai, even if you made the picks that Kai has made, I think I land on the same card here, which is Banished from Edoras, and which I like a lot more if you had taken Frodo. This is not a pack I love that much. I think you could make a case for taking Isolation as a follow-up to Inscription maybe, but I I would just take Banish here. I think if I had Kai's picks so far, I would take Mushroom Watchdogs Mm. over the haunt okay but maybe not like maybe you just really want to cut black that much still i think if i had taken my own route through the draft i would have taken isolation here to pair with the fiery inscription yeah i think that makes total sense so two haunts in the pile now for kai moving on to pick six this is you're happy if you're kai when you see this so commons in the pack there's an enraged horn four five trample etb tempt you in green Banished from Edoras again, another haunt, East Farthing Farmer. That's the two and a white, two, three. And when it ETBs, you make a food and then pump a creature equal the number of food tokens you have. But uncommons, there's a quick beam upstart end tier. The four GG, five, six ETB, two creatures get plus two, plus two and trample. Yeah. Seeing quick beam and I think Enraged Horn is one of Green's best commons. Not that that's saying much, but I think Enraged Horn is excellent in my mind. Not better than quick beam but still excellent. Seeing them both here is nice. Would take the quick quick beam, would still be longing for that Frodo pick three. Yes. Uh, Kai takes quick beam also. Moving on to pack one, pick seven. See the following cards as options. Again, weaker pack here. There's common stalwarts of Osgiliath. The four to white, four, three, ETB ring tempts you. And whenever you draw your second card each turn, it gets a plus one, plus one counter. There's Gladrim Guide, the three, four, scry two on ETB. Greyhaven's Navigator, the two and a blue, three, two, flash, scry one. And then in the uncommons, there's a copy of Ring Sight, one blue, black. Ring tempts you and you get to search your library for a card that shares the color with your ring bearer. This is medium awkward. I think, again, if I were on my route, I would take stalwarts of Osgiliath, but I have found in green white specifically that stalwarts and enraged torn both being in the five drop slot as like your big chonker ring tempt ETB can like get a little full because they're not like neither of those cards are uh, taken very highly, at least on arena. So I don't, I don't hate the ring site pick here because it keeps the black dream alive, but I also think ring site is 
pretty clunky. Yeah, if I were on my own route, I would take Greyhaven's Navigator here to follow up <laughs> my isolation orthog. But we're never going to agree on that card, so we shouldn't we shouldn't hash it out. I know. But I, I do love a Greyhaven's Navigator. I think for Kai, the ring site makes sense given his picks. Yeah. Moving on to pack one, pick eight. Not sure what was happening here in Kai's mind. We'd be curious about that. So a lot of different options. There's a Snarling Warg, a Wizard's Rockets, a Coral's End, a Hobbit's Sting, the one in a white deal damage equal number of food you control, and an Esquire of the King, the one mana one one that can pump your team. And in the rare slot, there's a Gimli Mournful Avenger. That's the red green rare Gimli that grows when your creatures die. It's a three two. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, so for you, it's Quarrel's End to go with your fire inscription path. For me, it's a Hobbit Sting to get another uh, removal spell. from Because I'm thinking I'm going to be Green White Legends, Splash, Smeagol, and maybe Splash more. That's what I want this seat to do. You want this seat to be Inscription Blue Red. And so yes. you're taking Quarrel's End. And I, I think because of some of those earlier picks that Kai made or, or maybe should say didn't make, he's just left with taking wizards rockets here yeah which but i just hope to never play that card basically so i think even if i'm kai with seemingly no good picks here i think i would still take corals in like that goes in black red as the best it's the best card and like gives you outs to like be black red Mm -hmm. splash smeagol off some treasure or whatever like there's no reason that you need to hold on to green for dear life for quick beam no like and and even if red presents itself as open would certainly be happy to jump ship for green to be able to play black red yeah i agree moving on to pack one pick nine this was the the very bad pack so a bunch of junk wheels here plus an arwin's gift as the clear best card in the pack and i think kai does take that as the best card in the pack but ends up not moving into blue a mirror of galadriel for me as well Ooh, yeah for the Frodo life. Yeah. yeah there, there were just so many things that could have been if you make like two picks differently. Correct. In pack one. If you take the most powerful card in the pack, pick three and pick four, like your options through this draft get so much better. So yeah, the pack rounds out again with a bunch of clunkers because there wasn't much great on the first go around past the, the build around uncommons. But uh, pick 10, Sirith Ungold Patrol, that's the four five. Pick 11, a Lothlorien Lookout. That's the one three that scries. Pick 12, a Bombadil Song. Pick 13, Grey Havens. Pick 14, Bombadil Song. Pick 15, Forest. So nothing that really matters here. And I think if you're Kai, you kind of have to be black green at this point. Yes, right? I mean, like the, the late green, you have to be black, which feels bad because... You kind of feel like black's not open. Y- you at this know point. black is not open. But you have to be black. No, yeah, you don't have playables. Like you're just not going to make playables if you cut black. So you're black no matter what, which is one of the benefits. Like you can't do this with another color in the format. I don't think maybe maybe you can do it with blue or red, but black you definitely can be like, well, I have to be black and you're still going to make playables because black is so deep. Yes. And so if you're Kai, you're pretty thrilled <laughs> to see pack two pick one, which yeah. is Orcish Bowmasters best card on the set. And you're thinking, yeah, I'm great. Black is awesome. Let's go. Yeah, and, and not for nothing, he does pass up. There's a Claim the Precious and Aemir of the Rittermark here, but it's a clear Orcish Bowmaster's Windmill Slam. Yeah, and so pack two, again, not a ton of interesting picks here, other than that, like, I would say Kai's pretty consistently not taking the best card in the pack, which is a, a bad feeling, I think. Yeah, I think that's a fair take. I think maybe pack three, that could happen depending on how things break. But pack two, you don't want that to be happening that much. I will say for him, like one of the things that I bet he is clocking is that there's a Rise of the Witch King in his pack two pick one that does end up wheeling. And he takes a handful of the the land cyclers along the way. He gets a generous end pick two, a troll of Kazadoom pick four, and another generous end pick seven. But as you said, those aren't often the best cards for him to be taking in terms of overall power level. Right. And so you're thrilled when you see Rise of the Witch King wheel. Mm -hmm. Like that feels good because you're expecting, I think, a good ish pack three at that point. Like maybe black's going to be cut, but you'll get green black if green black's coming and you'll you probably are expecting to get some green, I would assume in pack three. But pack three, Kai gets nothing. Pack three is really, really bad for him. Which is strange, and and here's why. So two seats to Kai's right, Simon Nielsen, who 3-0'd the draft pod, is also drafting green-black. So kind of weird that Rise of the Witch King wheeled. Maybe it just wasn't good for Simon because Kai had snapped up all the land cyclers. Hmm. But 
a tough break, I think, to be in a, a tier two color pair ish. Yeah. And have someone else be in the exact same color pair to you. And then Martin Dominguez directly to Kai's right passing to him was on red black. So oh my God. Two, two drafters ahead of him guaranteed black. We don't have any way to have known what Greg Orange and or Jake drafted, I don't think. And then Calcano to Kai's right was Grixis, blue, black, splash, red. And then one down from Christian, Kazuna Kasaka was on green, white. So at least four black drafters in a row there from Simon to Calcano around Kai. So two on either side of Kai were either in black or green. Yes. With one of them being exactly green, black. That is rough. Yeah, I mean, he gets no removal, right? No, that's the biggest issue, I think, with his deck. I think if he has some removal spells, I think his deck ends up looking pretty okay. His removal is like Rise of the Witch King as an edict and Orcish Bowmasters, right? Like, but other than that, he's just on like Chunk City. And and, yes. and some good card quality, right? Let's not forget, he's got a Quick Beam, he's got a Sauron, he's got a Smeagol, he's got the Bowmasters, but then he's got a bunch of just chunky clunkers. Yeah, so pack three, pick one. There's a choice between, for Kai, Mirkwood Spider, and Mariadoc Brandybuck. Also, a fiery inscription in the pack. Like, if, if you <laughs> take inscription, like, there's just so many better ways the draft could have gone. And hindsight's kind of 2020, but it's not just with hindsight. Like, Looking at Kai's draft, the first four picks, like in real time through those first four picks, I was like, oh, man, I I would have taken these other cards here. Yeah. And I think been paid off for it as the draft panned out. But I I don't love this pack three pick one from Kai here. Also, he takes Mirkwood Spider over Mariadoc Brandybuck. Yeah, I don't love it either. I mean, maybe he's just thinking that like he needs defensive speed over like, I mean, Mary getting food is good, but like Spider is going to be a better blocker than Mary. And that's really more what Kai needs to be able to find. He just needs to find his powerful cards as consistently as possible. Yeah, that's fair. And then pick two takes a smite the deathless, which is not what you're hoping to do as green black base doesn't end up putting it in his deck. Pick three hate drafts the Theoden King of Rohan. And like at this point, you kind of see a look on his face that's like, what is going on here? I wield this rise of the Witch King. But it's because I think Simon is is green black passing to him two yeah. seats down. So just a really tough break. There's a there's a pick seven Gandalf sanction this pack oh. in pack three. So just like a, a lot of things that could have been. I think your your green white legendary deck would have panned out super well. And I think audibling for fiery inscription also would have paid off quite handsomely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough break. He still got the two one because still you know, got the two one. Goats yes. be doing goat things, but like I think uh, I think he definitely had a chance to to draft a deck that could have three owed. Yes, and again, the disclaimer that neither you nor I have won seven PTs is that what it is? It was oh something God. absolutely absurd. It's just like yeah, ridiculous stuff. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I I we we caveat enough. The people are coming here for the takes. Yeah, so I, I do think there was opportunity missed in pack one, pick three, and pack one, pick four that had some pretty big implications through the rest of the draft. There, all I have to say is. More high stakes drafts televised and televise them for us, for our listeners. We are your audience, (laughs) not these people who are complaining that limited is boring. You're not going to win them over, you know, like do do the broadcast for us. Yeah, I I mean, certainly would love that. I would also say. Like, did you watch? You probably didn't watch any of the finals, did you? I watched some of the finals. Yeah. Did you? Did you see game four of Calcano? Yeah. Like just an epic game from Calcano. Just truly epic. Yeah, it was it was a fantastic finals. I mean, a fantastic top eight broadcast from what I saw, but I I watched most of the finals and I thought it was excellent. Just some of Nathan Stoyer's play in the early rounds too, just on the back of bad hands, some mulligans, like just making use of every single edge he could and clawing back into some games, like just some stellar magic played all weekend long. It was awesome. That might be worth, I'm going to float that out there because I feel like I, I, I want us to be able to tackle gameplay in some capacity. I think we've more or less retired the what's the play style episode for us. I think it's a little bit more work than necessary and I think doesn't quite resonate with as many of our listeners as we would like. But I want to be able to do gameplay some more and maybe there's something to that of like, ju- let's just talk about the plays that like blew us away, you know, and unpack them of like, so what was happening here? Why did this impress me? What would I have done in this situation? 
I mean, in a way that doesn't bog us down, but I feel like there's something there because I've had similar feelings of like, I mean, sort of how I felt with Nathan's draft. I was like, man, I would not have done that. And it's so good he did. There's definitely plays where I'm like, man, I would not have been thinking on that level, but I see why it works. I see it paying off in real time, you know? What I'm hearing from you is be the change you want to see in the world. And you and I are going to be, what, co-streaming some PTs, making some YouTube videos? I think so. That's, I what, think I'm, that, that's what I'm hearing I, from you. I think, I think that's that's what I'm promising the world right now. We have to do I'm it. on board, 100%. I was telling Twitch chat, there somewhere in the archives, there is you and I calling a draft for the, the draft video that you sent uh, Cedric. Oh, right? didn't we made no, it we wasn't a coverage video wasn't one time, Cedric, didn't we? it was it was uh rich hagan oh that's right it was rich hagan yeah yeah so er, early on in either yeah, this friendship, is... we we did a draft video yeah story time i i like just just so pompous of me truly to be like <laughs> this was like we hadn't been doing the podcast for four months so we were still like complete no complete nobody we still aren't <laughs> yeah but but true nobodies. And I was at a GP and like went up to Rich. I was like, so I busted. How about letting me in the booth? <laughs> <laughs> Just like that? Yeah. Well, basically not like not like that. I think I actually like tweeted at Marshall and then talked to him real quick. And Marshall was like very nice as of course Marshall is. And then he was like, but Rich is the guy who makes the decisions. And I went to talk to Rich. And anyway, and Rich was nice enough to be like, you can send me like an audition video. And so, uh, so Ben and I did that. Yeah, that was... That was early. That was almost six years ago that we put that little thing together. I think I think we just start making the videos, put them on YouTube, and Watsy's going to notice you. It'll be like Ryan Spain's origin story. We're just going to get you on coverage. Look, if you're in, if I'm not like doing this myself, if you're in for doing some commentary, then it's going to happen. I'm in for sure. Listen. Great. I, I am the Robin to your Batman. I think you and I, I, if one of the two of us is going on coverage, it has to be you. You okay. are infinitely better at it than me, but I also think we would make a slam dunk yes. coverage pair. All right. Stay tuned. Next PT. Coming, coming to a YouTube channel near you. Yeah. I love it. All right. And on that note, thank you as always to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you so much to CoolStuffInc.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over to CoolStuffInc where they've got cool stuff in stock, please use code LOL at checkout to let them know we sent you there. And more importantly, to get 5% off of anything you purchase, you can find all of our content, including upcoming PT commentary, co-stream stuffs on YouTube, on Twitch. You can find that all on our website. That's LordsOfLimited.com. Tier lists, merch, episode catalogs, all that good stuff. Links to our Patreon page. All that stuff is over at lordslimited.com. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. But that's not really what I see here looking at this. Again, not a statistician. Statistician? Stat? Statist. Statist. Statistician. 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 And again, I'm not a statistician, nor am I interested in stats. Ethan laughing at me here savagely. (laughs) But I will say...